Publishing Group, making a difference one story at a time. We'll be shining the light on successful founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are getting results and making a difference. We'll talk about how they built their businesses, are creating movements, and leveraging the power of authority in their own lives. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. All right. Well, hi, everybody. I'm excited to get started with the Power of Authority Spotlight today because we have a really incredible guest who is doing some incredible things in the real estate world. And I want to introduce you to him. We have Dr. Axel Meyerhofer, and I hope I said that correctly. Um, and he has so much to offer. He's the CEO of the Ideal Wealth Grower, and we'll dive into more of that. But welcome to the show. Yeah. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for being on. Um, I, you know, we talked a little bit before the show started, but I want the listeners to get a better understanding of what is it you do? What does Ideal Wealth Grower do for people, particularly in, in the real estate world? Yeah. If I were sneaky, I would say we, we teach people the ideal way to grow their wealth, which is ultimately what we do and why we named it that. But in a little bit more elaborate way, we're trying to help people mainly through referrals and mentoring to learn what they need to know to make investments following the strategy and the model that we have developed to ultimately get to a point that I call the time freedom point, which is a point on the calendar somewhere in the, in the future where your passive income reaches a level that covers all your expenses, not just your food and your car. But if you say, well, if I don't have to go to work anymore, I would like to travel or I would like to paint or I would like to help this disadvantaged people or whatever it may be where it's not dependent on money because your passive income covers it. So that point on the calendar is different for everybody and the number is different for everybody, but that's kind of like where we start. That's also where the grower part. And if you like, I can explain what that means. Just, we want to grow wealth, but it actually is an abbreviation. Ideal is the same thing. It's also an abbreviation. Wealth is not an abbreviation. That's just a word. <laughs> what it is, what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It is what it is, exactly. But so the process to, to, to reach that goal uh, is the first step where we start, right? Identify where are you, where do you want to go, when do you want to get there? And then we get to work. So that's basically what we do at Idea Wealth Growers through our mentoring programs. And that then ultimately also includes... Um, I, I have this principle, and this is why I'm saying it's not for everybody, that I don't want to send somebody in the form of a referral or introduction or so forth, just into the marketplace. I want to send them to entities and people and organizations that I have done business with and that I know and that I have kind of vetted, if you want. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of like the other part. It's one thing to learn what are the options that I can do, what, what does this strategy allow as far as how broad or how narrow is it, and then who do I actually do this with to get my insurance, to find the properties, to get the lending, to evaluate if they perform and all that kind of stuff. It's a pretty complex puzzle. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm saying, you know, like not everybody wants to do exactly that strategy and exactly that approach. But if somebody says, yeah, I have an idea what the number is. I have an idea when I want to get there. I can see my life change from this dependency of exchanging time for money to living my passion. And if I can do this, 
then this approach can get me there. And I'm the living example, right? I'm basically only saying I am basically reliving my own journey with my clients over and over and over again. Wow. Well, let's talk about that journey. So, because it doesn't sound like this is what you've been doing your whole life. <laughs> How on earth did you get to the point where you're helping people grow their wealth? Yeah, I had a very exciting and, and uh, unusual life so far. It started out with uh, getting out of school and having an uncle who was also my godfather who used to work for Lufthansa. And so I was totally fascinated by flying and I always wanted to fly big airplanes for Lufthansa. Well, I just happened to get out of high school at a time when nobody, no airline was hiring, including Lufthansa. And the question became, I did the test, I passed the test. And then at the end, they said, oh, yeah, you're one of the few people who passed the test, but we can't hire you because we're not starting any new training programs now. So I'm like, hmm, I have really no plan B. And I asked a few people and my mom was actually working for the German Navy as, a, as an admin person. So she asked her boss, she said, oh, my son is so devastated. He wanted to work for Lufthansa and he passed the test, even though not very many people do. And now they told him they can hire him. And he says, well, that he could fly for us. Right? And she like, oh, yeah, the Navy has planes too, right? right. So she <laughs> says to me, why don't you go and apply for the Navy? You can even tell him that you already took the test for the airline, right? So I go there and the recruiter says, oh, yeah, that's great. And that you have the test that's even better. You just need to know that you first have to learn how to drive boats because before you can fly. I said, mm, no, I have no problem with boats, but I don't want to become a captain of a boat. I want to fly a plane. And <laughs> sometimes the word is so simple, right? So he said, well, if you don't want to drive a boat and you want to fly a plane, why don't you go to the Air Force? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, duh. <laughs> So I went to the Air Force, went through the test, passed it again. It was kind of like a do-over. It was not that different. And then went through all the stuff, did uh, flight training and so forth. And while I was at flight training, my mom calls me and said, hey, I got a letter from Lufthansa. They're hiring again. They want to know if you're in still interested. And I'm like, Whoa. you know, and then I said, okay, ask them if they guarantee that if I come, that they actually take me through and I get to fly an airline. I said, nope you're going to be just the same like everybody else on day one. So I stayed with the Air Force, did my Air Force thing. And then without going too much into detail, ultimately, I found out that there is an exchange program between the German Air Force and the US Air Force. Oh, wow. Now, this was well after my training. I had already become an instructor at the time. I was the uh, deputy, uh, deputy commander of a flight school and the academic school for aviation training. And so I exchange that's why it's called an exchange my job uh, with a u.s air force officer and really in the literal sense right like i became a u.s air force officer with every all the fixings so to speak and took his job he was the assistant director of operation of a fighter wing and he took my job and that was supposed to be for two years and then i found out that the government wanted me to after that stay in the u.s and help build a flight training center in new mexico Wow. And so that was another about five years. So I, we had already been in the US for seven years then. And I got closer and closer to my uh, flight retirement. So it's not the normal retirement is when you physically not qualify to fly anymore. Oh. And then you have to decide. I always said, do you want to fly a desk or not? And yeah. I didn't want to fly a desk for the Air Force. So I said, OK, well, then I retire. 
And this is still the answer to how did you get into real estate? <laughs> uh, just as a reminder. So then I got recruited into a software company in the Santa Barbara area. And there the question came up, how do you guys do retirement? I knew what the Air Force did. I knew what was typical in Germany, but I had no idea how that works in, in the U.S. civilian market. Yeah. And they said, well, you're responsible for that on your own. And so you have to keep in mind, this was like 2002, 2003. Mm -hmm. That was when the news in all the media was the dot-com bubble is bursting, the market is crashing and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I looked at that and said, okay, I, what does everybody else do? And they already talked about 401k, stock market investment. I said, well, but this thing just went down the drain. Yeah. Trying to avoid other words. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it went down the drain and... And that's not what I want to do. And I recall, okay, well, with all these moves that you do as a military officer, um, you have, sometimes you buy a house, sometimes you rent a house, sometimes you stay on base and so forth. So there was some experience there. And I thought, okay, let me look what other people do that I could mm -hmm. follow, like, you know, that I aspire to or so forth. And I found almost everybody who had any kind of meaningful money did real estate. Mm. And I said, okay, well, so I know a little bit about real estate as far as personal experience. I just don't have the money. There right. must be a way. Right? There has to be a way. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's how I started. And I basically did all the initial investments completely solely with the idea I do this and I learn about it so that I can build a retirement for our family. Okay. Basically, a kind of like a second retirement besides yeah. the Air Force stuff. And as I mean, if you and I would have known each other at that time, and plenty of other people, you just I'm sure you do this too, Michelle, you talk about people ask, oh, what's going on? What are you doing? What's your business doing and stuff? And the answers on my case was, oh, I'm looking at this property, Oh, I just got this one, I'm glad we got the tenant. And, and so people were basically hearing me constantly talking about these investment discoveries, if you mm -hmm. want to call them that. And kept more and more saying, wow, this is interesting. And that is interesting. And are you going to share that with anybody? Are you ever going to put that somewhere? And so they've kind of like, what is that called? They, they got me far enough uh, excited and engaged and stuff. So in 2019, I said, okay, well, I'm taking it from just a personal thing, public, so to speak. Right. Started a website. And then I always say, Mr. and Mrs. Corona said, have a beer and take the time and do it for real. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so we started making it for real, right? We really, you know, get engaged, have a podcast, talk to Michelle, the princess of the world, uh, <laughs> publish articles, do videos and stuff and really develop the program. Mm. I've always loved teaching. I, I taught flying in the Air Force for, for interested young people that wanted to learn how to be an aviator and stuff. So teaching was always great. And now this teaching or mentoring, as I call it, is more impactful for me when you say spotlight, right? The impact is really to change the whole perception of what life needs to be. Yes. Right, Because I think at least I can say this for myself, I grew up with the expectation that sometime between 65 and 70, I would retire and then finally have time to do something. Mm. And feel that way. You know, I kind of I mean, for one, I retired the first time at 40 from the Air Force. Right. So that was 
something to say, well, if I really had enough money, I wouldn't really need to and want to work anymore. Right. right. And so that was besides the vehicle of real estate, one of the aspects to say, well, how can I get to retirement before 65 or 67? But more importantly, how can I help other people that are smarter and start earlier seeking help to maybe do this really at, for real at 40 or 45? Yeah. So I have to ask, because I know other people are probably thinking too, well, how on earth, you know, you said you were at a place where you didn't, you know, you knew about real estate. I'm in the same boat. I'm, I'm fascinated by real estate, but not knowing there's so many different things you need to know. And I think the impression is you have to have a big pile of money to right. get into real estate. Is that true? Or is that a misconception? Well, to say, is it true or not? You first have to define what a big pile is. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> what would you well what what is a big what what is what is needed for someone to be successful like if they were to work with you what what does that profile of that person look like yeah so basically what i would say is you need a, f- a few behavior things okay yeah and you have to have somewhat at least what i would say realistic uh, expectations now make to make that a little bit more you know, t- um, tangible, imaginable. What does that mean? Let's say you were to say somewhere in the next eight to 12 years, eight to 10 years, something like that. I want to get to a point where I no longer have to work. And I have looked at where I am right now. And by today's numbers, I need somewhere between 4200 to $4,500 a month. And that allows me to live, to have my car, to pay my rent or pay my mortgage. I can go on vacation once a year or twice a year. So basically, this is what my life costs. So you could say my life cost me $65,000 or something in that ballpark per year. So that would be then what I call your time freedom number. You want to replace that because the, the way you receive this right now, at least for most people, is by exchanging your most valuable thing, your time, for somebody to pay you either wages, salary, or if you have your own business, then you have to make enough revenue from that enough profit to have that left over to pay for your life. Right. So if that's, let's just say somewhere in that ballpark, 40 to 4,500 is, is the number, then you would be going back in our case, in our strategy, in our model, and would say, okay, so what can I realistically expect from a well-performing property to get in cash flow? And the number is typically around three to $400 these days, right? So on first glance, you would say, well, I would basically, if we were to say 300 and 4,200, right? So then how many properties is that? Right, so 10 would be 3,000, 15 would be 4,500. So we would have 12, 13 properties. If you get 400, it would be a little closer to 10 or 11. But nobody buys, at least I don't know anybody who buys 10 properties tomorrow. Right. (laughs) So it's really when we say in the next 8, 10, 12 years, let's say we would buy one maybe every year. Well, when you reach four or five, you don't only get three or 400, you get more like five or 600. So in reality, just to bring this down without going into too much detail, you will end up probably with anywhere between eight to 10 properties okay. over an eight to 10 year time period. 
And because of inflation and increase in rent and all this other stuff, it's probably not going to really be 4,500 or 4,200, probably closer to 5,000 or so. Okay. Over time, you know, prices increase, all that stuff. But that's basically the journey. And then the question becomes on the flip side, what does it take to get going? Mm-hmm. And I have to say there is a little bit of a change in the last few years because I used to say you need between 20 to 25,000. Mm-hmm. to start mm-hmm. and now because of how prices have increased and stuff like that you probably need closer to thirty thousand. okay but what's important and i'm really want to harp on that a little bit what, what i really like to when you go back to your term shining the spotlight on is to be comfortable even and this is most of the time the biggest hurdle to overcome to make that first investment where you really buy a house that you then make available for somebody to live in your tenants Mm -hmm. and and they pay you the rent and pay you the mortgage and pay you the insurance and all that. That is the biggest hurdle. The second time, still kind of a hurdle. The third time, okay, I know what I'm doing. The fifth time, it almost becomes routine. And this is not just with buying houses. It's pretty much the trajectory that we all have with everything that is initially complicated. And then we do it four or five times and then it becomes normal or at least not that frightening anymore. Right. (laughs) And this, you can shorten this comfort level by learning about all the principles without risking, because I'm not looking at it that way, but most starters, early stage people in in their journey, they see it as risking the money. Mm -hmm. So what I've developed is to say, when you are, when you really, really needed to limit yourself and and scrape and stuff to get these first 30,000, Mm-hmm. you probably look at it as a really, really scary thing to let it all go in one, go- one step for this house, which you've never done it. So what I do is I try to introduce people to all the principles that you need to be co- more comfortable to make this first big investment by making the exact same investments on a smaller scale. Okay. And so just to let the cat out of the box, so to speak, the smaller sales scale starts at $50. In real estate? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. I mean, I'm sh- in shock. <laughs> Tell me people, you're, not, you're not alone. Most people are. And it, it didn't used to be that way. Yeah. But technology done right, I think we need to put that little disclaimer in there. Technology done right can open a lot of doors. The reason this is possible now and you know you tell me if you want to go deeper in that but the reason this is possible now is people that try to come up with models of how can we actually allow regular individuals into a certain kind of market Mm -hmm. always looked at what's the effort and what can be the outcome this is not just investing it's not just real estate this is probably what you hear in your podcast with other guests all the time when i do any kind of business venture what is the effort? How much does it cost? And what is the potential outcome? And so it was, it used to be really complicated. If you think about it, what are we talking about? You take a property that is $150,000 to purchase. Mm-hmm. And you can get, let's say, $1,300 rent a month. Okay. Right? And so there is a process to get through to get it to purchase. But then when you have it, and you have one owner, one tenant, and one property manager organizing that, reasonably doable okay 
Now imagine you say you break that $150,000 property in $1,000 increments, which is something if you were to go on Google and look at organizations like Fundrise, that's what they offer. Okay. That's the smallest increment that was commonly available was $1,000, right? So that means you have 150 people potentially okay. on the owner side and one tenant and one property yeah. manager. Now, when you take that same property and say, okay, I do bring it down to $50. Now you have 3000 owners potentially. Wow. And that's with the point where you can say, well, I can't do this with Rolodex and little cards and, and little Excel spreadsheets anymore. If every property has potentially 3000 or 4000 owners, mm -mm. this is where technology comes in. Artificial intel intelligence based technology can help to automate processes so far that the effort that the software has basically for the person to say, we buy this property, run it through the software, it does all the beautiful things so people can just buy $50 increments. Wow. Right now in reality, you never really would have like 3000 people where everybody buys just one for 50, yeah. you know, but you have to be prepared for that in theory. Hmm. And what it opens it up for you and me and any one of my mentoring clients is I can now take a property, let's say in Cincinnati, single family home, three bedroom, two baths, $150,000 makes $1,300 in rent in a reasonably nice neighborhood that you and I would potentially buy when we are a little further evolved and we really get on our journey to the time freedom point. And I can say, Michelle, let's go through all the motions, all is it a good school district? Is the rent realistic? Is the thing properly renovated? Um, does it meet our criteria? What all the things that we might have in our due diligence and all we need to do to really get access to all the information, spend 50 bucks. Wow, that's crazy. And, you know, and so we can go through this and learn with very little money at risk. Wow. And then when you know, okay, so now I said, now let's say we do this for a couple of weeks or a couple of scenarios. Then I say, okay, so now let's look at where would you like to have your properties and why? Mm. And then you say, okay, well, I think I can now understand why you always say Ohio is a good market right now. Mm. Right? And then I would say, okay, so now, Michelle, you're ready. Now we can actually tap into your $30,000 and get you a property from my turnkey provider in Ohio that they renovated, that they sell to us, that they will manage for us, and that I own four properties already with. So this is the type of coaching that you do with your mentoring. Right, exactly. Um, and, and, and you, so you walk someone through this, basically the baby steps of somebody who knows nothing yeah. about it. Right. And if somebody is a little further developed already, they have already a few properties and they just want to apply this approach because they always thought they could only buy something close by within driving distance and would have to manage everything on their own. And I say, no, in our strategy, there is an abbreviation that stands for OOS or OOC. Okay. OOS stands for out of state. And for the exotic ones, it's uh, out of country. Right, because we have like a British client, uh, somebody from Pakistan, several people from Canada, right? So I had to expand it. It's either OOS or OOC. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But the point is, it's too far away to take care of it yourself. Right, right. right? And so then the next letter is TK for turnkey. That means you want to find somebody who does everything for you for a fee. Okay. So, so you don't have to mess with all that. And then you can't yeah, get it in another state, no problem. 
or yeah, exactly. And and there the point is, okay, there are plenty of those who claim that they do everything for you, but not all of them are good. Mm-hmm. Like you can c- compare to chocolate, right? You can get chocolate in some supermarkets for like, I don't know, 99 cents a bar. And you can go to Whole Foods and pay $8 and it looks the same. Wow. But it's not tasting the same. Not the same. No, it's not. Not, <laughs> you know? not the same. And so, and I'm not saying it's all only a matter of price. It's a matter of making something really good takes effort. It does. Right. And I that's, am- you know, that's the thing. The good turnkey providers need to put in an effort. And if you work with only them, then you have a good result. Yeah. I imagine you have so many stories of people that you've helped and I hope you're collecting those stories because it it almost things like this almost seem too good to be true. But when you read stories or you hear about like what you're doing in other people and how they've followed your system. And I mean, that that's so encouraging. Yeah. And what's exciting for me, because I don't see this as a job. This is really my passion that grew out of me doing it myself and for myself now doing it and helping other people, basically following my example. It's, I mean, maybe it's just, I haven't obviously had enough clients yet. And I'm not saying this in a cheeky way to say, Hey, come and become a client. (laughs) I would like that. But what I mean by that is it's really literally true. Even though we have quite a few clients that's, Every case is different and not just by little nuances, but massively different, Mm. which also makes it kind of exciting. But it also keeps me engaged in a sense, in a way, because it it requires me Mm. to really almost always, in the end, have some sort of a custom solution. Mm -hmm. The principles and the strategies and the resources are the same, but to apply them is a little different when somebody just sold a house for $2 million in LA and just has this pile of money sitting there mm-hmm. and is also maybe not 30 anymore and wants it all done within three months and then never have to think about investing anymore. Mm-hmm. Versus the other person who says, okay, well, I finally got a job where I was able to put some money aside and now I want to do something, but I don't want to go crazy and risk it all. So Right. That's a totally different scenario, even though in the end, the one is going to buy, I don't know, 10 properties probably or 12 all in the next three or four months. And the other one needs some time to get comfortable with buying one. Well, that's the nice thing about mentoring, though. You can walk them through the different scenarios, you know. Right. And for me, it's, it's basically exciting because it really, I mean, you said spotlight, I also like the term impact, right? Because it really has a significant impact on the life of the person I'm engaging with. But it's also potentially if they really go through the journey, and they really reach the time freedom point and really have that passive income, that doesn't only mean if you were the person, Michelle, no longer has to exchange time for money. Mm-hmm. But Michelle's kids will also have these one or two or three million worth of assets. And her, and her kids or the, his kids theoretically could as well. And it doesn't mean it has to be you do everything and they never have to do anything. But the foundation yes. that you can build in 8, 10, 12 years for yourself and for anybody who comes after is massive. Wow. Right. And that's also, I think, what we sometimes forget when we watch TV, we see some person famous or whatever. And we look into what do they do with their money. Like one person that surprised me when I was in that phase was Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
because he, well before he ever became governor of California or stuff like that, had one of the largest real estate holdings in the state. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. Well, if you're the Terminator and you make shitloads of money well, all the time, you go with it, right? Like, so he just, he was smart enough to say, well, I need to put it into something where I don't depend on being muscle man anymore. I don't think he ever considered to be governor, right? So he knew this is a short-lived kind of career. Yeah. The movie thing was, I mean, first he was a bodybuilder, then he was a movie star, much bigger probably than he ever anticipated. But still, yeah. it was even that is short-lived. So every penny that he didn't necessarily need it, he put in real estate. Wow. And I didn't know about it. I only found out about, you know, like, who, who do I know? Well, who could I find? And I did the Google thing. Yeah, and then I it caught my eye and said one of the most famous largest real estate holding is on a Schwarzenegger and like what? <laughs> but but it just goes to show though, and, and and I think that's why this topic is so relevant for this audience is you know as business owners it's true. I mean, whatever amount of money you want to have for your your freedom number, you know, does it require you to be working every single day? And if not, then you know what is that other option? And I think what you're doing is fantastic and it does change families because if you can teach someone how to grow wealth, it's not about the money. It's not about real estate per se, but if you're giving them that financial freedom and the ability to, you know, do more of what they were created to do. I, I, yeah, absolutely. And I, I know one thing when people ask me, you know, when you came to the United States, whether it was during the uh, Air Force military time or after, what are some of the things that, that kind of stick with you? Right. And, and that you would say are special in America. Mm. And one of the answers that I often give, and I hope that resonates with your audience, is in Europe, where I come from, there's such a dense and deep support system mm. that you can basically really live within and under the wings of the community. Mm. And here we just have a different system. And I don't want to focus on what that system exactly is. But what I learned from pretty much day one is that the system triggers an enormously bigger willingness of people to help each other, mm. to donate, to do something with their church, to work for charitable organizations, to have certain things where a certain amount of money regularly goes, especially for people who do well. And the really, really well doing people donate amounts of money that Europeans can never understand when Warren Buffett says, okay, half of my wealth is going to be donated and we're talking $20 billion, yeah. right? Or Gates or any of these people. But the point is this willingness to help. Yes. Or when we have a catastrophe, right? Like some crazy climate event or stuff, there's always an enormous willingness to help. And what I like you know, if somebody were to say, besides this teaching people how to get to their time freedom point and no longer have to exchange time for money, what is the other component, the flip side of that coin, is to say, I want anybody who listens to us or who comes to me to adopt this mindset that says, by providing the space for housing, I help the community to have reasonable, nice living space for a fair price. Because if you really think about it, there's only three options. Either people own their own place, mm -hmm. they get housing from the government, or they get it from you and me. That's so true. That's it, right? So actively participating 
in supporting the community by giving them a place to to live that is nice yeah where you can say well that doesn't mean you have to move in right but it's a different quality of thinking than just thinking about how much is it worth and how much profit does it make and how 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 much is my passive income all of those things are important but the social component, when the underlying current in the community is, if I can, I want to help, yeah. then think of your investing in a secondary or equally important level also to say, by investing, I'm helping other people in other communities to have a nice place to live. Well, I, that is perfectly said. And I am I could talk to you all day. <laughs> I do have to wrap this up though, but thank you so, so much. Um, I, I have more questions than time, but would you tell the listeners, how can they get a hold of you? What, you mentioned to me earlier that you have something you want to give away. So would you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned Idea Wealth Grower and we didn't get to decipher the abbreviations, but uh, if you go to the website, ideawealthgrower.com, you can see the explanations. And one thing for your audience, but for anybody also who is interested now that they heard us talk about it, I created a, what I call the mindset manual that you can download for free from the website. And I strongly recommend that you then also go on the Idea Wealth Grower YouTube channel and find the playlist that also says Mindset Manual. That's eight little videos that go like literally step by step together with the manual itself. And so you can hear me describe what each part of the manual is for and how to use it. And then in the manual, you find exercises and little things to find out how much are you still in a victim mindset? Or are you kind of in the middle or do you really already have adopted a creative mindset that makes it easier to go from where you are right now to reach your time freedom point and actually enable yourself to have the freedom to do anything that you're passionate about, regardless of how much it costs or whether it makes money or not. So that's in, in, in that sense, what I think your audience and anybody else who is interested would be well advised to do. That's a starting point. And then on the website itself, pretty much, I always joke, the first thing that pops up is the opportunity to schedule a call with me. Right. It's free and it's just to get to know each other. And then shortly after it pops up to become a member of the newsletter. <laughs> Good. Well, I, I definitely recommend it and definitely go to idealwealthgrower.com and get that. I'm going to do that as soon as we're done here. <laughs> Okay. in my mindset manual. So, but Dr. Axel, thank you again so much for being on the show. I, I, I've learned so much and I can't wait to dig in a little bit more. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. It was fun to be with you. Thanks so much for listening to the Power of Authority Spotlight. If you're a successful founder, entrepreneur, business owner, or leader that's getting results and making a difference, and you'd like to be on this program, please visit us at go.michelleprince.com forward slash podcast dash guest to apply. That's go.michelleprince.com forward slash podcast dash guest. Also, if you got something out of this interview, please share this episode. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag, the power of authority spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing. 
Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, michelleprince.com or performancepublishinggroup.com or find me on social media. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.